Welcome to this week's FFI Practitioner. I'm Jordan Rich. Today, a conversation with Christian Stewart, founder of Family Legacy Asia, helping Asian families with effective family governance practices. Christian Stewart is a respected consultant focusing on a new and emerging idea in the family office field, the role of a chief learning officer. As winner of the FFI 2021 Interdisciplinary Award, we welcome you to the podcast, Christian, and congratulate you for the honor. It's a really great honor. I'm kind of a lucky guy because I've got a lot of really smart friends and mentors. I've been the, you know, the recipient of you know, their wisdom. And um, like one of the things about me is that I'm curious. Um, so I like to learn new stuff, et cetera. So we're in the sort of the family governance, family business space. It's very easy for that space to to focus very much on the, you know, so the hard letter governance or on the, you know, the structural side of things. I've just been very lucky to have found extremely wise mentors who are very humanistic in their approach. And that and that sort of personally resonates with me. You know, led me to a lot of a great interest in tools around coaching and personal development and growth. And it's a very exciting job. And, and I feel it can be a very fulfilling job. It's a very challenging job. You know, one of the things that we might talk about possibly is, is this idea of family learning and development. And, you know, that's something that I'm deeply committed to the importance of, but it's also extremely challenging work. Going off into a little bit of a tangent, but, um, but I was talking to somebody else um, for another FFI project recently about the topic of sort of family learning and family education. And my friend who I was talking to said, you know, this this topic raises a lot of anxiety with families. And I said, this topic raises a lot of anxiety with with advisors in <laughs> <laughs> family offices. Well, that, that's why that's why we're honoring you, but also that's why we're we're asking you questions about the work you do because, as you said, you've had mentors and you're curious and you're helping others. What is a chief learning officer, a CLO? You alluded to that, and and why is that such an important factor in the work you do? You know, recently, I, I, I'm an independent advisor. I only work with a very small handful of families. Like a friend was recently challenging me, so almost our profession in general, and saying, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of the qualitative capitals in families, but, but, but do our clients really put that kind of philosophy into practice? And so I was recently reflecting on my clients and what my clients need. I would tend to work with a lot of sibling, sibling partnerships you know, I have a legal background. I don't have a therapeutic background. But in a lot of the client families that I work with, what they want deep down is like sort of healing of family relationships. They want positive family relationships. You know, and you know, when you're in the sort of the family enterprise space, you know, families are sort of held together in a way which is unusual for other families. So, it's important to invest in the family. And when, when you're in the context of you know, significant wealth or a family business, there are going to be issues of can you grow up as a mature adult separate from your overwhelming shadow of the family? You're having to grow up in the face of unearned wealth, inherited wealth. So the pathway that I ascribe to believe in is that it's really important for individuals to basically grow and mature themselves find that you know know their own values their own purpose so that they can you know be part, mature participants in their family governance system so that they can integrate the inherited wealth into their lives without destroying their lives and then you step back and you say well what is a chief learning officer 
you know, a lot of credit goes to, to Jay Hughes for thinking about this idea of, of a chief learning officer. When people think about learning and development in a family enterprise, you know, they'll tend to think about, you know, the need for financial education in the family is a classic one. But that's not what a chief learning officer does. Like a chief learning officer is responsible for helping the individual family members to grow. So it's more about adult development than it is about mm. training and learning. Especially in my part of the world in Asia, family members will inherit ownership of a business or they'll be beneficiaries of trusts. You know, these are all vehicles that force them to work together, but they don't know how to work together. They don't know how to collaborate. Another really important role of the chief learning officer is to look at how well these families and their advisors, you know, can work as a group and collaborate. Christian, there are obvious cultural norms and differences based on the fact that you are in Asia and you work with Asian families. What would some of those differences be? There's a risk that when I answer this, it will be a little bit overgeneralized. Um, but obviously, in, a, in an Asian, and it's, for me, it's predominantly an overseas Chinese context, like the family is more important than the individual. That's one thing. A second thing is that family system is often a very closed family system, which means that they don't put a lot of trust in outsiders. Therefore, the idea of having independent directors is something that you really have to push. The idea of professionalization of a business and that family members don't have to be in management roles. These are ideas that you have to work very hard with or, or just accept that that's the reality, that you know, in business roles, et cetera, you'll see things as being very, very family first. There's two more things I think. One is education level, I guess. A lot of the current generation of Asian families they're not highly educated. You know, they haven't had Western ed university educations. Maybe their third generation has. The final thing I'll say is often the family culture can be quite rigid, you know, and, and the rigid culture and a hierarchical culture. So I said before, like a lot of my clients are siblings and the sibling relationship is really, really important, but often it's, it's sort of broken and it's kind of broken because of the relationship with the father is not always the best, mm. sadly, in, these, in, in many Asian families. Yeah. So that's, that's gross generalization. Here's a question that we'll take from the point of view of a family that is looking for help, let's say, or looking to update the squad that's helping them. What do they need to look for in an advisory team? What are the characteristics and making sure the advisors are right and that they work well together? What advice do you have for families? Maybe I should try and tackle that from two perspectives. The first, because we were just talking about um, families here in Asia, there's this great quote from Matt Wesley, culture will always eat structure for breakfast. So he's sort of misquoting from the corporate consulting world. In Asia, unfortunately, they're especially the sort of the current controlling generation, they're kind of of the mindset that structure will fix all of their family problems. So they're looking for trust structures to preserve family wealth and supposedly family harmony, but that just doesn't work. You know, they're looking for legal agreements and family constitutions. So their starting point for an advisory team is likely to be traditional structuring advisors, lawyers and trustees, accountants, those, those kinds of things. 
But what they don't realize is that those structural solutions and focuses are not going to help the family relationships. They're not going to get them family harmony, which is a, which is a big value for Asian families. So what they're missing in the team are people like coaches and counselors and people who are experienced in working with family relationships. So in the Family Firm Institute, they often talk about the collaborative team. Definitely what's missing in Asia is the concept of you know, even just bringing a coach into mm. work on um, family governance or family business succession. Can you share with us an example of how this works well and has worked well in your experience? It's always great to share a story to illustrate the success. Tell us. Well, maybe I can give you two examples. One is a sibling partnership that I've been working very closely with here in Hong Kong. Um, and I think about the task there ostensibly is developing their family governance system. Um, and there are four sort of players involved in this, in this project. The first sort of player or key component of this team, if you like, is the sort of the, the trusted sibling in the family who's like the family champion. Um, so he's both a family champion who's in favor of professionalizing the governance of their organization, but he's also the family champion for wanting to see healing in the family relationships. Then the second player in this system is the sort of the family meeting uh, which is a regular family meeting of all of the siblings. And that's really the, the vehicle that develops its own governance system and learns how to work together. And the next, the next sort of party is um, a non-family member who runs their family office. And he kind of coordinates and project manages and oversees the advisors and um, oversees the state of the project. So I see that very much as being the role of the family office there. And then the fourth component, the advisors. So there's myself. In this case, there's two. You know, they're external trust lawyers, but they're, they're not part of the core team. There's myself, and I'm looking more at the development of the governance system. And there's a coach, and the coach facilitates the family meetings. Because of COVID, et cetera, and Zoom, they're at the point where they're doing practically weekly two-hour check-in meetings, et cetera, which the coach facilitates. And then the coach will go and do individual coaching work with each of the siblings outside of the meetings. So, so he's helping them to develop their you know, interpersonal relationship and connection and make them more effective at working together. So there, what, what I've learned is that um, each of the family champion, the family office executive, myself and the coach, like we need to coordinate our team efforts and be thinking about, are we effective, an effective team? Do we have clear roles amongst ourselves? You know, what's our trust and communication like? Sometimes we have conflicts which we need to mediate and resolve. So that's, that's one example. Another more formalized example, which is more of a Western family, is they have a private trust company. The private trust company is, uh, you know, the board of the private trust company is committed to the philosophy that they've got to invest in the qualitative capitals of the family. But below the board, and this this is an idea that um, that Jay Hughes talks about. You can read about this idea in the book um, Family Trusts: A Guide, which was written by Hughes, Keith Whitaker, Hartley Goldstone. So the below the board, there's a what we call a beneficiary relations committee, and so I'm one of the members of the beneficiary relations committee. There's a HR, extremely competent HR man on the BRC as well. And then one of the 
directors of the BRC, uh, one of the directors of the trust companies also on the BRC. So the role of the BRC is to know the beneficiaries, have a relationship with the beneficiaries, understand what's going on in their life. As a, as a structure below this beneficiary relations committee, you know, there's a coach, there's a counsellor, there's some sort of organisational psychologists working with this family, and, and they will go and do sort of one-to-one work with individuals or they'll go and do counselling with couples. So, the, so this sort of coaching team, um, support team, generally they're working a couple of days a week on this client family, it's a big family. It's it's really putting a lot of resources into um, growing the human capital. But the coaches and counsellors, they're not there to do therapeutic work. So if you have individual family members and they need referral to a therapist or they they need sort of you know extensive work around couples relationship, etc., then the model is that either the BRC will encourage people to go out and get external expert help. Or they will, um, or the or the coaches and counsellors will say, you know, you need mm. you need to go and get somebody else. The takeaway from those two wonderful examples is that there are so many resources that you and an organization like yours can employ. There are so many helpful steps that can be taken if if a family is willing to take on that challenge. Families and po- you know possibly industry as well. People don't know how to do it, so I think Mary Duke is always saying something along the lines of, you know, this stuff is an investment. How much, you know, the, the question is, how much money do these families spend on their sort of their trust and estate lawyers and their and their asset management fees? And then how much money, what's the annual budget for investing in growing the qualitative capital of the family? And the answer is usually none. I believe from the clients that I work with that you do need somebody on the inside of the family who really buys into this stuff. So I think the family champion role is really important. I think it's quite difficult to, you know, do family learning and development, look at qualitative issues, et cetera, if the family are not really bought into it. Yeah. So in the first example, the family champion is is deeply committed to growth and healing in the family members. And that's what his motivation. In the second example, we have family champion, same deep commitment to wanting the individual family members to heal and grow. And in addition, they have an extremely good you know, former HR man who's a COO. I think that kind of um, HR experience is very good at managing teams, people who are coaches, counsellors, looking at softer issues. You know, the cost is insignificant. So I think it's just a question of people don't understand, people don't think to go there. People don't think, you know, our relationships are really bad. So why don't we actually get somebody who's good at working with relationships to come in and help us? which is something that you do quite well and you're being recognized for it with the Interdisciplinary Award. Uh, can't thank you enough for your time and your thoughts. And again, congratulations. Thank you so much. Honor to be um, speaking to you. Our thanks again to Christian Stewart, founder of Family Legacy Asia and winner of the FFI 2021 Interdisciplinary Award. For details on the Practitioner podcast series and much more, visit FFI.org. That's FFI.org. I'm Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.